Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. For much of the last 50 years, part of the American dream was to raise good, smart children and send them off to a four-year college where they could earn a bachelor's degree, setting them up for high-paying careers. Many Americans lived it, and it's still true that a college degree, uh, that those who receive a college degree are paid more on average than those without a degree. However, what didn't get as much attention is training for jobs and careers in industries like manufacturing, construction, plumbing, welding, occupational therapy, and nursing. There's been a shortage of skilled workers in many of those industries for the past two decades. And even though those are good paying careers, job openings often go unfilled. Talking about training and education for skilled workers, that's the subject of today's Smart Talk. Our guest, Laurie Grove, Director of Career Services with Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology. Ms. Grove, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. Also, Vic Rogers, Associate Provost for uh, Workforce Development at Hack Central Pennsylvania's Community College. Mr. Harris, welcome to the program. Dr. Peggy Grimm. That's correct. All right. Yes, Administrative Director of the Dauphin County Votech School. Dr. Grimm, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. All right. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. All right. I heard something over the weekend. Uh, this was on the BBC, and I can't tell you who said it, but the gist of it is that we do a good job of identifying skills of the future, skills of the future, but we don't do as good a job of identifying the jobs of the future. I want to hear what the, th the three of you have to think about that. Well, that's a good question. Um, this is Laurie, and basically, you know, when we talk to parents, when we talk to students, and we try to help them figure out, you know, what do you want to do when you look forward? You know, one of the things that we don't do, or what we haven't, I should say, do, is help students identify really what it is that they want to do. What does that job actually look like? Um, so many don't understand. As an example, you mentioned some of the jobs earlier. When you, what does a welder actually do? machine tool, computer-aided manufacturing, what is that? People don't understand what that job actually is. Um, and if we can do a better job of helping parents understand how to encourage their students to decide what they want to do and what that job actually is prior to deciding how you go about getting trained for that job, I think we'd see a lot more success with students once they actually go out into the workforce because they then got the training that they needed for the specific job they wanted to do. Now, why do you think it is that they don't understand a welder, for example, what a welder actually does? You know, for so many years, um, we have been pushing this, hey, you've got to go to a four-year school, right. you just got to go to college. I. I experienced that when I went to college. I have college-age students, so when they were younger growing up, coming from a four-year background, I thought, hey, they're going to go to college. So you're not really thinking about what some of those jobs are, at least in the public school systems. We see so much push towards this four-year degree, so they're not actually seeing what these jobs are because all they're looking at or listening to are the careers that they feel they should be doing based on what they're told in school or based on what they're told, hey, if you have a four-year degree, this is the job that's going to pay all the money. And they're not thinking about what some of these other jobs actually are. Mm -hmm. uh, is it Dr. Rogers? No, 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 just Vic. Okay, okay, Vic. I'll just go by Vic. There you go. I can't screw that up. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the community college. Uh, for the most part, you're not talking about four years. You're talking about uh, two right, years. Right, the maximum of two-year degree. All right. So... 
Talk about what the role of the community college is as opposed to that four-year college. And I'm going to, you know, kind of give you a, a condition. The condition being not talking about the students who go to hack or go to a community college hoping to transfer or, you know, transfer to a four-year college. But for those who are looking for training for one of these kind of careers or jobs that we're talking about. Well, that's a good condition to add uh, to that. Because what Laureate said, really, it ties in perfectly. We focus on college versus a career. The career is whatever training you need to be successful in that, right, versus just going to this blank slate of I'm going to a four-year college. So what we do basically at a community college level is focus on that career. So we want them to be able to have their two years, and this is absent those transfer students you were talking about, but have that two-year experience that gives them the skill sets and the ability to go immediately and start earning and taking care of their family. The community college is really valuable because, just as the name implies, the community part of it really draws in people from all different walks of life. So wherever you were at prior to coming to Hack, for example, we can take you to where you need to go. So that is kind of the difference versus I'm going to get my four-year, going to be successful going to college, and then now what do I do with this? We directly point you towards opportunities and give you the skills, of course, to be successful in that. So is there a different mindset at a community college as opposed to that four-year college? I think so. I think the mindset is a little bit, and, and this is not a put down to you know, four-year no, community and, and I want to say that right off the bat. Yeah. We are not talking about, this is not being critical of four-year college. Right. It, it's more of a focused uh, effort, I think. People go to a community college knowing the end product. I'm not just going to, to go. I have a family in many cases. The average age, I want to say, is about 29 uh, for mm. people who go to community colleges. So it's adults. It's working adults in many cases. Um, sometimes we draw from parts of the community that didn't think they would have an opportunity to be successful. And they come in and they get the skills that we're able to import to them. And now they're seeing huge gains and job opportunities from the day they finish. And we've even been more successful in working with local businesses to say, partner with us so that we can increase that workforce that you need. Mm -hmm. Dr. Peggy, Peggy Grimm, your students are younger than uh, what Vic just described. Uh, most of them, you know, are in high school, uh, high school age. Uh, who is your typical student and what are they looking for when they decide to go to Dauphin County Votech? Well, many of our schools are, are they are career, our students are career centered. Um, whether, whether their parents have a background um, from a career and technical or vocational school, um, not not wanting to have the debt, um, but have skills when they graduate from high school. Um, our student population has changed over the past 10 years that I've been at Dauphin County Technical School. We're seeing different kinds of students now. And I think a big component to that is the cost of a four-year degree and also that not everyone who gets a four-year degree gets a job. Um, and they don't always have specific skills to be out in the workforce. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most popular programs that uh, you have at uh, the, technical, the technical school? Um, one of the areas that we've focused on in the past four years is our Health Careers Academy, um, which would be dental assisting, medical assisting, and then our uh, health careers looking at possibly um, a nursing degree in the future. Um, also veterinary assistant, 
Um, of course, cosmetology is still um, one of our most popular programs. We all like to look good when we're taking the dog or cat to the vet. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but, but Vic, I want to turn back to, to you with, with something that Peggy uh, uh, just said. And, uh, you know, talking about the, uh, that, you know, the, the, the debt there is involved and the, the four years. When your students come to you, now you say the average age of 29. That may surprise some people uh, because, again, when we think of the typical college student, we think of that person who was just graduated from high school. Right. And, but age of 29. I mean, is your typical student, when they're the age, that age of 29, are they coming back for job training, specific job training, the job they have or a job they want to train for? Or is this just that, okay, I did not get a, a college degree or I did not get a, a certificate when I was younger, now I want to? You just hit all the areas that, that bring uh, them back. The there you go. You, yeah. uh, but it's what we see typically, though, um, is even for our younger population, when they get there, the opportunity to learn in that environment is crucial because it allows them to say, well, I thought I was going in this direction, but I really like this. And it's a small enough setting that they can explore that and have an opportunity. Uh, we get, again, parts of all of our population from our reentrant population to uh, those high schoolers who are, who are coming out and saying, I don't want that four years worth of debt and I'm ready, or that person who's come here uh, from a different country and they're, they need to get their skills into a credential that is recognized here in the United States. We get that a lot as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Laurie, let me ask you this question, and I'd like to ask all three of you, actually, in, you know, different parts of it. I uh, was at an event last week where an economist was speaking, and he said that when he talks with businesses, employers, one of the biggest concerns they have is that they can't find enough skilled workers. And, you know, as I'm doing research for this, you can go back as early as 1990 to find predictions of a shortage of workers. Are there job openings that are going unfilled because employers can't find workers with the skills or the training that they need? Yes, um, exactly. We talk about this every day. Um, it's become uh, a situation where, give you an example here at Thaddeus Stevens, um, really quickly just to mention what Vic had talked about, about students coming back. So many more of our students today actually went to a four-year school either part-time or graduated and then came back to get a specific skill to get a job to pay off the student loan debts because they couldn't they were underemployed once they graduated that's one thing but as far as industry not being able to fill the jobs we have as an example and I'll just throw out some numbers right now we have a career fair coming up this week on Thursday we do this once a year because we graduate once a year in May typically we graduate roughly 300 350 students a year if we graduated every student and every student that we graduated went into, and I'll just use manufacturing as an example, we can talk about construction later, we wouldn't come close to having enough skilled workforce to fill the jobs that are open just right here in Pennsylvania and central Pennsylvania even. So for instance, as an example, we've got 143 companies that are coming that day on the, on the 16th to the college to recruit the students. Then of those 143 companies, if you multiply that by a minimum of three jobs each that they're looking to fill, and many of the companies that are coming are, are looking to fill far more than 10 jobs. On top of that, there's a waiting list, Scott, of more than 200 companies that wanted to get into the career fair that can't 
that are part of now what is called our virtual career fair to enable our students to connect with them as quickly as possible. That number times again at least three to five openings and again many of them could hire 10, 20 welders at a time. What's happening is the opportunity then for our students, whether they're coming out of Hack, whether they're coming out of the CTCs, out of schools like Thaddeus Stevens, who have the skill set, and this is a high technical, sophisticated skill set that's needed. Mm -hmm. So the opportunities for them are absolutely phenomenal. The scary part is, for the economy, is that if we don't allow our parents, our educators, to help change this whole dichotomy of what really should be as far as schooling, post-secondary for schools, for children, we're not gonna have enough skilled workforce. And if we can't fill the jobs here in Pennsylvania, what's gonna happen is some of our manufacturers, some of our construction businesses are gonna be leaving Pennsylvania and going to states where they can find skilled workforce. Mm -hmm. So it's a really, it's a critical, critical problem that we have to address. And one of the reasons why we're talking about it today, one of the reasons why we're having Dr. Kevin Fleming coming to Lancaster County uh, this week on Wednesday to discuss with educators, with parents, with students, uh, with industry about this issue because we have a severe shortage of this highly skilled, trained workforce uh, with these very high paying, high demand jobs available and we don't have enough. You, you know that that almost sounds too good to be true. It does, and people can't believe it. It is absolutely a fact. Uh, here's something you can do just for fun. Anybody out there wants to do it. If you just hop on Indeed.com, you do a quick search for welder, try machinist, try industrial maintenance technician. The list goes on and on. You will find thousands in the thousands of openings right here in Pennsylvania. We don't have enough individuals to fill these really high-paying, high-demand, high-skill jobs. Mm. We just don't have enough. Yeah. I, I can't disagree at all. I mean, it, she's, she's really speaking uh, the conversation that we should be having here in Pennsylvania as a partnership, and it should be our two-year schools, our technical schools, our, our career and technical uh, centers, our parents, our businesses. This should be the, at the forefront of our conversation because we're going to lose businesses. I've, I've talked to businesses who've said, I might have to leave Pennsylvania because I can't put on a third shift. You know, they just are not finding those skilled people. And one of the things that we have to add is as we move forward, the skills are going to increase. It used to be the old image of vocational training was you got caught with, with a cigarette and you got sent over there to, to do that training. Right? That's true. Yeah, I mean, that was, but now we need the AP honor students to go into our career Absolutely. technical training centers because we're becoming uh, more focused on the future of robotics, how we interact, uh, how we integrate rather computers into our learning modules uh, for our PLCs, pneumatics, hydraulics. I mean, this is, this is the next generation of where we have to go, and it has to be a concerted effort by, you know, really our folks who make the rules, okay, within our organizations as well as within our communities, getting together and saying, hey, how do we change the conversation? Peggy, you know, something that Vic just touched on, there have been a lot of stereotypes over the years. I mean, I can remember when I was in school that uh, you were either an academic or you were someone who worked with your hands, okay? The, the, I don't know how we got it down to just two types of people, but that's what it was. Today, 
I mean, just what Vic described, you, okay, a lot of these jobs do require some mechanical ability, but at the same time, it also requires math skills, engineering skills, uh, you, you know, being able to do a lot of thinking in, in your head. How has that curriculum, your curriculum, changed, and how has your students, how have they changed over the years that you've been there? Well, the curriculum's changed. It's incredible, probably over the past 12 years. Um, we're now a school with AP courses, honors courses, um, higher math, um, anatomy and physiology. Our, our whole academic um, course curriculum is nothing like it was 12, 15 years ago when we used to have shop math. Right, right. Um, those days are over. Um, however, our, our biggest barrier is getting through to parents um, because what you just talked about, uh, there's a stigma that comes along with um, what used to be called VoTech. Um, we're, we're a career and technical school, and that's how we refer to ourselves, although we do offer vocations. Um, but we, we also have students who they know they are going to go on to a two-year program after they leave us. Um, we have college in the high school credits at Dolphin County Technical School, just like most other career and technical high schools do. Um, we actually have a great partnership with Harrisburg Area Community College, mm -hmm. um, where our students graduate with 9 to 12 college credits, um, especially in our health careers programs where they're moving on to hack and going into an LPN or an RN program or some other health careers. Um, so we, we look at our school as, um, in the ninth grade year, we actually do an exploratory to give students the opportunity to explore careers because, you know, as we talked earlier, um, we don't always really look at the career and what, that's, what that will be. Um, but the face of high school career and technical education has totally changed. And um, as we move forward, one of our um, goals is to get through to parents. Um, we, we hold open houses, of course, and um, we, we've gotten, I think we've gotten better um, at communicating to parents, but we have a lot more work ahead of us. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk, and uh, we're going to be talking with our guest in uh, just a moment or so uh, more about uh, skilled worker education and training and the careers that are out there. But we are in the midst of uh, WITF's uh, 2017 Roses campaign, and WITF's Transforming Health reporter Ben Allen joins me right. Ben, how are you this morning? Uh, I'm good, Scott. Good morning. So how are we doing Roses-wise? Uh, we are doing really well, actually. It's been a, a great campaign, lots of uh, response from... Uh, people, I believe we're sending roses so far to 38 states plus the District of Columbia. And remember, Scott, that deadline for national delivery for roses is 2 p.m. today. 2 p.m. today. So we're ticking towards those uh, those deadlines. Remember, $100 gets you red or rainbow roses delivered anywhere in the country. Could send them to a loved one. Maybe you want to send them to a college friend you haven't heard of, heard from in a long time, or maybe just somebody who takes care of mom or dad or a teacher or a coach. Got red or rainbow roses. So, as Marie Cusick was saying this morning, maybe it's a platonic relationship, and you send those rainbow roses instead of the more romantic <laughs> red roses. And then you can go 
for the dozen uh, red or rainbow roses. That's a $125 contribution to WITF. Remember, let me just reiterate here, 2 p.m. deadline for that national delivery. That means that uh, just about four and a half hours to go if you want to get that order in and get those roses delivered outside of Pennsylvania. Yes, um, there may be some people out there who need uh, to be reminded. It's the, it's the doldrums. It's the doldrums of winter, right? We woke up this morning. It was really windy out. Still it is, was, isn't it? It was kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> everyone's kind of ticking down to, <laughs> to the spring and getting ready for that. So I think of roses as it's a nice surprise. It's a way to send somebody a message that, hey, we're thinking about you and we hope you're having a good a good day. And you know, who doesn't like a little roses in their life? I picked up my order on Saturday for my girlfriend, brought them to her, and she's very happy. Everyone's very happy when they get roses. So, so okay, so, so how happy was she? I mean, kind of give me a description uh, she here. Was, gonna, I know. mean, she was, you know, I think that even though she expected them, oh, because, you know, I have cultivated that kind of relationship ah. where I still believe in, you know, taking care of the people uh, we care for. But um, She's listening, isn't she? she uh, yeah, she's probably <laughs> right across the street looking at her boss right now saying, uh, I hope I hope he's saying good things right now. So, um, no, she was, she was really happy. And I think, okay, if we're going to, if I'm going to try and spin this, Scott, and spin myself out of this, I'm going to say, you know, she, uh, even though she expected them, they were still were a nice surprise. She I went home, go. she cut the box off, she got the the water in them, and everyone was was happy. And they'll be hanging around. I think I think these roses are are guaranteed for five days fresh. So um, they're, they're, they'll they'll be they'll they'll last through the week. Well, I think. it's Royers, and these are high quality roses. Yeah. I mean, uh, they do arrive. At, at, you know, in boxes. You say, yep. Unless you get the t- the two hundred forty dollar two dozen roses right. that come in a vase. Right. But uh, you know, there's baby's breath. There's greens along yeah. with it. Yeah. You know, when you do this campaign, you kind of learned a lot about about roses. <laughs> right. I you didn't know that before I started working here. Yeah, these are qu- high quality roses. So again, witf dot org slash roses are eight hundred two three three nine four eight three one hundred dollars get you a half dozen red or rainbow. $125 gets you a dozen red or rainbow. Those are for national delivery. You can get them delivered anywhere in the country. 2 p.m. deadline for that. And then if you want local delivery, uh, you can get even the, the big kahuna, as we've been saying, the two dozen red roses plus a vase for $250. And you can add that cute little bear, that 10-inch oh, right. plush white bear. Uh, you can add that to any order for $10. You so, know, again, witf.org slash roses, 800-233-9483. I'm just going to mention this, Ben, before yeah. you leave here, that uh, Fred Vagent, Yesterday, as we were uh, comparing, because we have last year's bear and this right. year's bear. This it's year's bear, it is. It's, it's even upgrade. plusher. It's it's plusher. It's, even plusher. It, it's got a more prominent smile, so it'll bring a bigger smile <laughs> to your loved one's face. <laughs> a more prominent there's, smile. There's uh, there's there's a lot to love there. <laughs> ben Allen, thank you very much. We'll talk to you a little bit later. Sounds good, Scott. We're talking about uh, skilled workers, education, training, the jobs of the future, the careers of the future. Our guest today, Laurie Grove, Director of Career Services with Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology. Vic Rogers. 
Ledger is associate, uh, associate provost for workforce development at Hack Central Pennsylvania's Community College, and Dr. Peggy Grimm, administrative assistant at Dauphin County Technical School. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page. Also, go to Twitter. We are at smarttalkwitf. Again, that phone number, 1-800-729-7532. Let's take a phone call from Michael in Harrisburg. Michael, you're on the air. Yes, good morning. Good morning. I'm listening to your show. Uh, I'm the owner of a small uh, HVACR company, and I think one of the biggest things that we see in the training coming out of vocational schools and uh, for-profit technical at this point is we get a lot of people that have a lot of theory being taught to them, but very little practical experience, very little bench time. Uh, and that that is a real deterrent when they get into the field because they have no practical sense as far as skills related to the trade. Uh, do you have, let me ask you this, Michael, have you had uh, issues or a challenge finding workers? Absolutely. We are, we are now to the point that um, we actually will accept applicants uh, with no training at all and train them in-house. Uh, because, again, we find that the practical side of the training they're receiving in the technical schools is a lot of, uh, steeped in theory, not much in the way of practical uh, training, which, which is very important moving into uh, this specific trade, at least. What kind of uh, salary are you talking about for a starter? For a starter, uh, somebody just out of technical school, uh, in the range of 15 to $17 an hour uh, as far as starting. Uh, senior technicians now, technicians with five, six years in the trade, command upwards of, you know, eighty to $100,000. Uh, it, it's a trade that uh, this particular trade encompasses a lot of different trades. In other words, you need to have the basic math skills, uh, you need to be able to weld, to be able to understand carpentry, to be able to understand sheet metal. So it wraps itself around a variety of trades, and it's, it's a very, very uh, sought-after uh, skill set, and we're just not seeing a lot of people out there. All right. Thank you very much for your call. Laurie, I'm going to turn to you. He brought up a couple different issues there with some of the questions that I asked. But I, I, this is something that I have heard, mm -hmm. uh, not just from, you know, we're talking heating, ventilation, air conditioning, but a number of different industries, a number of different skill sets is that it's one thing to do it in a classroom, but they need some experience, maybe interning, externing. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Michael's right on, and I appreciate you calling in, Michael, and sharing that, um, especially also talking about some of the salaries that these individuals can uh, demand based on that skill set. HVAC, HVACR, in particular, um, is a great combination of both mechanical and electrical. Um, he also talked about the welding skills that are part of this. But he also, one thing that's really important that we need to think about as moving forward is these individuals that are coming out really do need to have practical work experience. So if I talk specifically just about Thaddeus Stevens, uh, one of the things that um, is really unique, I think, about the college is, number one, our mission is kind of twofold. So on one hand, um, it's incredibly important to us that we are educating those students who are financially disadvantaged, who in any other situation may not ever, even be able to get an education. So on the other hand, the other piece of that is that we will only offer curriculum in fields that actually have live jobs attached to them. If there are not actual family sustaining income jobs,
jobs available to our students when they graduate, we're not going to do the curriculum. Then couple that with the fact that our hands-on kind of component, if you will, they get theory, and immediately after that theory, they put that hands-on work either in the classroom, in labs, on projects, working with industry. A huge majority of our students will actually work in their field the summer between their first and second year. This past summer, we had over 270 students interning, actually working in industry. Of those students who interned for the class of 2016, more than 97% of them had full-time job offers before, prior to graduation, and it's because of that industry component. They are hands-on not only in their lab once they learn the theory, but then they actually work out in industry with experts in the field so that when they come back for their final second year, they are so much further ahead and they know exactly what it means to be out in industry. Mm -hmm. uh, Peggy Graham, let me ask you about the, the younger students at the technical schools. Uh, do they get out into the community and get that hands-on experience or is it mostly classroom experience? There is an opportunity in the senior year to be out working in industry. Uh, it's difficult um, for us to get placements for all of our students. Um, I totally agree. I've heard the same um, issue with um, our graduates coming out into the workforce and not really having the, the skills and um, maybe the experience that they're expecting in the workplace. But I would ask, give us the opportunity to send our students to you on an internship basis or cooperative education because they are young and they need a mentor, and they, they do need on-the-job training. Um, to believe that a high school student is going to walk off of our campus and be, you know, a professional, you know, completely trained, um, walking into the workforce, not needing some mentoring, that is impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, Vic, you said earlier, well, the, the three of you do, your institutions, but you talked earlier about working with employers, working with businesses. Is, some, is this something that Michael described that needs to be done more? Oh, it, it absolutely, absolutely does because they're the experts. We can have all of the theory and curricula to drive what we teach, but it has to be guided by the expertise of the profession itself. One of the things that uh, Dr. Ski led us down the path towards earlier uh, or towards the end of last year is an apprenticeship programs. Right. So we've now started apprenticeship programs at, uh, at Hack with specifically in our skilled trades, a machinist and tool and die, and also a new one called industrial manufacturing technician. Now only eight states have been allowed to do this particular training. Pennsylvania was picked to be one of them as well, where the U.S. Department of Labor will recognize an 18-month journey worker who gets the basics done. Now, for some people, they're kind of looking and saying, what is all of this about? But it essentially gives a two-way training. It's training during the day when they're working at the company. They're being mentored. They're being guided by the expertise that's there, that's getting ready to leave in a few years as they retire out. And they're coming to a hack in the evenings to get the technical training. So, it's a, again, it's a two-way go that gives them the ability to start being more productive quicker. And that is what we have to have. And, again, that doesn't happen without industry partnerships. Industry's got to drive what we do moving forward. Let's take some more phone calls here. Let's go to uh, Bill in Chambersburg. Bill, you're on the air. Hi, great show this morning. I listen to you guys all the time. Thank this you. Is, uh, this is a topic that uh, this 
basically my life. I'm uh, one of the partners at uh, a school out in McSherry's Town Academy for Media Production. But we're also, um, all of the members here, the partners and uh, faculty and staff, are part of an organization called Skills USA. We run both the Pennsylvania State and the National. And if you ever want to see a group of enthusiastic, proactive, talented kids who are already professional mind, um, that organization is on April 19th and 20th at Hershey. But the, um, the, I, I couldn't agree more with the amount of jobs that we're starting to see on the horizon are coming in that require a quote-unquote skill rather than just some sort of college degree. So I guess with this whole different, uh, we're, we're starting to see people like Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs that's on a national campaign to bring uh, attention to careers and in, in the technical skills and trades. So I guess the question to the panel would simply be that are we starting to see the stigma shift from you know, the career and tech centers being, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, like the dump ground for the non-academic, that we're starting to attract a lot more academic-type students? And are we getting more of an open acceptance to going to the career trades rather than just blindly enrolling into a, uh, a liberal arts program at a four-year college or university? And hey, I will take my answer out the air. Hey, Bill, thank you very much for your call. You kind of touched on this, but Peggy? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I said it earlier. We, we're definitely seeing a shift. It's it's slow. Of course, it's not doesn't happen as quickly as we always want it to. But I definitely um, I've been at Dauphin County for ten years, and I have seen the shift. It's beginning. You talked about how parents have to shift their thinking. We have uh, a caller here who's bringing up another point. John is in Lidditch. John, you're on the air, and it fits right into the conversation we're just having now. Yes. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, you're welcome. I appreciate that. What what I what I question is how we get into the high school level of training and how we can get our uh, guidance counselors, people who are, you know, actually the ones that are sending the children to these two programs for Botech or for on-the-job training versus going to college. It seems like the focus for guidance counselors now in high schools are just that, to get as many kids as they can into the four-year programs. Hey, thank you very much for your call. I saw, uh, Laura, you nodding your head as she was speaking. Yeah, John, great point. Uh, something we've been talking about for years, actually, and exactly what Peggy said, uh, we are starting to see a shift. It's slow. It's slower than we'd like it to be. Um, but guidance counselors across at least Lancaster County, we know for sure, um, throughout central Pennsylvania, are really starting to get the message. They're actually coming to schools like the CTCs, coming to Hack, coming to Thaddeus Stevens to learn about what these skills really are. And I think that's the critical piece. You know, one thing that's also really important to keep in mind to get this message out is for guidance counselors, educators, and parents in particular to really recognize and understand the makeup of our job market. I think that's what's really critical. So most people don't realize that even in the state of Pennsylvania, if you take all of the jobs that exist right now that are I'm talking high-paying, family-sustaining wage jobs. The makeup is probably going to surprise a lot of people. So for every one job that requires a master's degree, only two require a bachelor's degree, and seven 
that's more than a dozen, will require an associate's degree or less, a certification of some sort. So 70% of all the high-paying, family-sustaining jobs that exist right now in Pennsylvania don't even require a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. Let me, let me throw something out here before we take more phone calls. Uh, you know, we've talked so much about the, the recession of uh, 2008 in that era and the jobs that have come back. You know, something we've heard even before 2008 is that, you know, we've lost so many manufacturing jobs, not just here in Pennsylvania, but across the country. We've lost so many manufacturing jobs that were family-sustaining, high-paying jobs, and they've been replaced by mostly service jobs. But one of the things that many people do right off the bat when they think of service jobs is they always talk about working in a fast-food restaurant or maybe in an industry that does not pay that much. Now, we know that does happen, but at the same time, service jobs, service careers take on a lot more than just working at a fast food place. Right, Vic? Oh, absolutely. And again, I think the, the misnomer that we don't have the kind of opportunities here in Pennsylvania is what we really have to shift because we have more opportunity than we can fill at this point. And it's not just the skills, like you said, some of the service-related jobs in healthcare, uh, for example, are huge in terms of the opportunities that they offer families, that they afford families. What we look at is the career pathways, opportunities that go from our career and technical centers into the community colleges, into a Thaddeus Stevens, and they can at any point take whatever they have and go out and take care of their family. That's what we, when we start talking about career pathways, that's what we are really looking for, on and off roads, because we're in an environment now, lifelong learning is going to be the key. You will not be able to go and get a profession at 18, 19 and say, well, listen, I'm going to just ride this to the rest of uh, my life till I retire. Which is probably going to be 75 by the time they... Uh, uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I and just throw some politics it, And there. it's c constantly reevaluating, constantly changing. If we look at the information that is being pumped into the different technologies, you've got to stay ahead of that. We were laughing earlier talking about uh, just the met methods that we use to communicate now, how different they are. Imagine what they will be like five years from now and how that will impact our jobs. You know, and you just used the word communicate. And I want to bring this up quickly uh, before we go back to the telephone. One skill that, oh, it's, it's only maybe in the last 10 or 20 years or so that uh, was kind of downplayed amongst those who worked as what are now described as skilled careers, uh, work with their hands, uh, mechanical, their, was you didn't have to worry about communication skills. <laughs> well, it, the technology demands it for one thing, yeah. but employers are also saying, we need people who can communicate, whether they're working with their hands or not, right? Exactly. I mean, we teach soft skills. That's part of every program. It, it, our, our students can't graduate and go out and be in the workforce and not be able to communicate appropriately and properly with, you know, their coworkers, their management, their, their, their supervisor. Um, so we hear that. We also hear that. And um, we work on that. We, we prepare our students to go through an interview process and talking about what they should be, how they should be dressed and how they should appear and um, that they, they sell their their skills and their talents. Is that a challenge, Laurie, when we have so many uh, 
especially young people, but everyone nowadays using their technology on their cell phones, on their iPads, uh, uh, you know, their communication skills or their communication method that they prefer is through, okay, not email, because that'd be really 2005 (laughs) if I said that. But, you know, that that they're, you know, communicating other ways. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Actually, Vic and Peggy and I just had a conversation really quickly about this in the room prior to coming in here um, about how students uh, really communicate with internally within the college um, but employers in general it's one of the things that we hear constantly is and we hear about the soft skills and they're calling them now employability skills so these are skills where they already know they get the technical skill so if they're coming out of some of these programs they know that technical piece is going to be there but students still the the new employees coming in they need to be able to communicate not only with their supervisors but with each other they need to be able to take direction and give direction both verbally and written and those skills are not necessarily you know innate with these students today so they do have technology so we need to do a better job of helping prepare them you know how do you use email you might not like it but in the business world if your boss sends you an email you need to read it and you need to be able to respond to it in a professional manner Um, so it's something that we deal with every day and we struggle with it and it will continue to be but that's part of our job is to help encourage our students to have those skills because employers absolutely demand it using a text is fine but make sure that you're articulating what you want to say correctly and professionally social media it's a phenomenal networking resource for industry. Um, however, make sure you're using it professionally and appropriately. And it's something that, you know, Peggy deals with every day with her students. It's something that Vic deals with every day with his students. And it's something that we will continue to deal with with Thaddeus Stevens students. Um, and it's important that employers continue to demand it. Because if they continue to demand that our students come out prepared and our professional communicators as well, we'll continue to try and keep that level as high as we can. But that's a struggle in this day and age. Let's take a phone call from Judy in New Cumberland. Judy, you're on the air. Or excuse me, I guess we're with, uh, is this Phyllis? Yes, it is. Okay, Phyllis, sorry. I'm, uh, now let's go on the other side of the river. You're in Lancaster. Uh, Phyllis, yes, uh, what's your, your question or comment? And I am on somewhat on the other side, although I don't want to frame it in that way. But I do want to put quickly in context my father, who was a banker, was instrumental in setting up Lancaster Votech School, and so, and I feel very strongly about um, the great jobs that the three of you do. And also, if I were in your positions, I would be perhaps articulating somewhat of the singular arguments that you are. I, I've been in education for forty some years on every single level. And it seems to me that it would be great if technical, vocational um, could be joined, as it was many years ago, with so-called academic subjects. Because I think if we look at some other data and some other studies, we'll see, for instance, one, that the CEOs um, out in Silicon Valley send their children to Waldorf School, which has both the hands-on education, no technology. I mean, it's a very interesting combination that I would like us to talk about for all students at all levels. And, and furthermore, I've heard so much talk about money and getting a job. 
and I've heard almost nothing about what the student is truly interested in. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much for your call. She raises some good points. Who wants to address that? I, I think I've always said that at Dolphin County Technical School, one of our our missions is for students to find what they're passionate about, because mm -hmm. I think that's really lacking in many of our traditional high school systems. Um, our students come in, and um, we sometimes have students who have had probably not the best experience thus far in the public school system. And that's probably one of the reasons why I smile each day, because I see students who found their passion and it turns their world around in school. Their experience becomes totally different. Um, and that, so I, 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 would, I would say we, we are passion builders at, at the high school level. I believe that's part of what our job is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I mean, just Phyllis, I, I completely appreciate what you're saying. Um, and I agree as far as having uh, the general education or liberal arts or uh, humanities courses, you know, that's important um, to be a well-rounded student. And I think many of our students that are uh, getting this technical education, you know, one thing we don't talk about are the humanities, you know, are the requirements the English, the math, the, the social sciences that students still are required to take. Um, so that is part of it. And I really do hear what you're saying. I do certainly appreciate, um, you know, you're being concerned that if we're focused so much on the job that we're not taking into account what students really want to do. Um, and I think that's important. And we want to continue to uh, encourage their passion. I think the talk today is really more about how do we uh, kind of shift our educational system to recognize where jobs actually exist. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're here today talking about the subject. We have an email from Lisa has a really good question. She says, what's being done to recruit women to these traditionally male-dominated fields, machinist, welding, electrician, plumbing? For example, it stated that cosmetology is one of those popular fields. I guess that's probably where the majority of the female students are enrolled. But I wonder how many graduates with that particular training are actually making a career of it or are able to make a living at it. Big difference between the money that can be made cutting hair versus fitting pipes. What about recruiting women? We do that. And I'll, I'll just jump in but just how? really quickly. But how? By actually working with the high schools, by getting out into the communities especially. Now, the, one of the things that, to go back to Phyllis's point, part of our mission statement is creating opportunities and transforming lives together. That's what we do. And so we're looking for opportunities to engage with all sectors of our, of our community, not just men, not just women, um, those who are uh, having financial challenges, uh, those who might not have believed that college was an opportunity for them. So we look at people as an opportunity to get them where they want to go. And we don't care what that, that gender is. We don't go in with the stereotype of only the, only the guys should go into the CNC machining, you know, or the ladies just need to go to nursing. We want to meet you where you're at and give you the opportunity to be what you want to be. Do you have more women who are, you know, just as Lee described, who are looking to be machinists, who are looking to get into welding, things that, those are high-paying jobs. Do you have more women who are willing to do that? That is something we're working on every day. Right now at Thaddeus Stevens, we have a female population of just over 7%. 
that's a real number there, 7%. So uh, predominantly male at the college because of the program majors that we offer. Um, so we are trying something new, working together with industry right now uh, to encourage and working with uh, the local high schools to encourage students, female students, to enter these non-traditional fields. There's much more to it than just having a woman go into a non-traditional field. It's how do they handle then also working in a predominantly non-traditional field. You put a female on a construction site with all male workers, There's that, that female student has to recognize and understand that she is the minority in that situation. Um, so we are continually encouraging and employers are asking us every day, can you please bring more women into these fields? We want to recruit recruit more women into non-traditional fields. It's retaining them that we're trying to work with right now. Well, fascinating conversation. Quickly, if you could give some advice to uh, our listeners listening today, what would you leave them with? To take a different look at the career and technical skills that exist. I always say this to, to parents or to students when I talk to them, do you want to stay with your parents forever? And no hand goes up. Everybody wants to have an opportunity to get out and, and start their own life. And the opportunities that we talked about today will allow them to do that. I want to thank our guests for being with us today, Dr. Peggy Grimm with Dolphin County Technical School, Vic Har- or excuse me, Vic Rogers with uh, HACC, Central Pennsylvania's Community College, and Laurie Grove with Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Scott. Thank, thank you. you. You're listening to WITF Smart Talk, your, uh, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. And we're joined by Ben Allen, WITF's Transforming Health Reporter. And uh, we are in the midst of WITF's. Well, I say the midst. We're almost, uh, we're at the next to the last day because tomorrow is Valentine's Day. But uh, the next to the last day of WITF's Roses campaign. Indeed, Scott. And remember, Roses is our campaign we run just about every year. I should say every year here on WITF. You can make that contribution at WITF.org slash roses or 800-233-9483. Remember, a half dozen red or rainbow roses for a contribution of $100, a dozen red or rainbow roses for a contribution of $125. And if you want to send those roses and really go big or go home, well, $250 for those two dozen red roses plus a vase, and that's for delivery only in central Pennsylvania. Scott, we're coming up on 10 o'clock here, and that means that Just about four hours to go until the deadline for national delivery of roses. So out-of-state delivery, you got to get those orders in by 2 o'clock this afternoon if you want to get roses to a loved one outside of Pennsylvania. So again, WITF.org or 800-233-9483. I don't think... uh you're procrastinating if you wait till today. Now, tomorrow at noon, that may be procrastinating a little bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, you just heard Ben describe it. So take advantage of it uh, the day before Valentine's Day. Uh, but, uh, Ben, thank you very much for uh, the information here. And I'm sure uh, waking up on this Monday morning, we have a lot of people say, oh, Ben, just remind That's me. That's right. That's oh, right. I have to do that. got to do it. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, when we were talking about the careers, well, tomorrow we're going to be talking about entrepreneurs, but women entrepreneurs in particular that's coming up on tomorrow's smart talk so be sure to tune in